It's the AgShip Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the AgShip, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball, and Olympic sports. If you would like, you can subscribe at www.theagship.com. The subscribe uh, the subscription tiers are ten and six dollars a month. The ten dollar tier gets you film stories, gets you the monthly Q and A. Um, questions are still open for that that I sent out earlier this week. If you have any, get those in soon. Uh, $6 tier gets you everything else. Uh, free tier is also there that gets you the free profiles and gets you the women's basketball coverage uh, as I try to keep the uh, the exposure to that team as open as I can. Uh, so go on over there to www.theagship to subscribe. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Parker Ballantyne. Parker, how's it going, man? What's up, Patrick? Um doing great doing great uh we have a really fun one to uh to preview today uh talking football and then of course you know basketball is is uh it's super back it's all the way back it it is in full swing on you know men's women's so we have uh quite a bit to to get into um i'm excited this should be a really good game i fully expect nevada to uh to be nevada and i expect utah state to uh to be able to take care of business we've been uh we've been in that situation before this year and we've uh, we've proven that we can, and then we've proven that we can't. So I, I think it should be, uh, you know, it should be a fun one. There's a lot that could go right, but of course, with this this team, there's a lot that could go wrong. So yeah, we have uh, it's it's a good one though. It's a big one. I expect to get one step closer to uh, bowl eligibility, and uh, they they still have some things to prove. I, I think there's uh, there's this team is still pretty hungry. Yeah, and it's it's a big game for Utah State as it continues its uh, fight for bowl eligibility. A win here would get it to 5-5 five and five with two games left on the schedule, and I think you'd have to be feeling pretty good about it at that point for Utah State. A uh, loss would be, you know, pretty bad. It would put, it would put Utah yeah. State into a, uh, a win, or, win or out situation uh, moving forward as it, as it prepares for one last home game on senior night next week against Boise State, and then a road trip to end the regular season at New Mexico. Both of those are winnable games, but you'd much rather have the margin for error, whereas a loss here would take that away. Um, before we jump yeah, fully... The, either, yeah, margin yeah. Or, not margin of error or ability to, to get to eight wins either way, but yeah, yeah. you got to... It starts this week, of course. Yeah, and uh, before we jump fully into the preview, I will either apologize or say you're welcome for my voice, depending on how you feel about <laughs> the, the the deeper uh, allergy, heavily allergy-impacted voice that I am rolling with on this episode. Um, I am uh, I'm doing the best that I can here, so I, uh, I, I apologize if it's a little bit rough. Um, it is, uh, I, I can do only so much about the season changes that are uh, happening around me and the yeah, allergens that right. are in the air, but, uh, we're going to fight through we're we're going to, we're going we're gonna to tough course. it out and, uh, and, and put in a, put in a strong effort and play the best game we can play. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, yeah, that's what you do late in the season coming down the stretch. You, uh, you don't, you don't take days off. You fight through, fight through that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say go ahead and skip the apology and just say you're welcome. <laughs> I actually do have an apology though. Um, this one is on me. Uh, this is why we don't record late at night. Uh-huh. Um, Ike Larson has never picked off Bryce Young. Uh-huh. I, I said that on the on the show last week. That never happened. Um, it was Milrow, right? Yeah, it, it was Milrow. It was. Yeah. Um, it's still cool. I mean, he still picked off a Nick Saban quarterback at Bryant Denny. So yeah. I mean, let's. It's still awesome. And I mean, unless Ike is drafted to the Panthers next year, it still could happen. Uh So maybe I was just seeing the future, but um, as of yet, 
uh, that hasn't happened. So uh, I, I jumped the gun a little bit on that. Hand up, yeah. my bad. Um, but you know what? That's what happens when we. Uh, yeah, that's what happens when we record late at night, and I was able to fact check myself at least. And so, yeah, you know, there we we'll, go. We'll just go with it. There I, we go. I suppose technically speaking, if he was drafted to the Panthers, he would get a lot of opportunities to intercept Bryce Young. It just wouldn't go in the stat book. It would just, be, <laughs> yeah. it would just yeah, be in his awesome. own in his own mind. He would get a lot of opportunities in practice, and probably yep. would take advantage of those opportunities, given what I know about Ike Larson. <laughs> um, that is true. I, I can tell you, he's definitely picked off Coop more oh, yeah. than. Uh, more than a few times, and let's probably like, and I would assume lets him know about it. <laughs> that, is, yeah. that is that yeah. is Ike's uh, that is Ike's mo. All right, let's dive in here. Nevada is two and seven, led by second year head coach Ken Wilson. Um, it has been it's been a tough couple of years for for Nevada. We've talked about them a little bit this season as they were struggling to an zero and six start. They have won two of their last three. They just lost to Hawaii twenty seven to fourteen. But they they shut out San Diego State in a crazy game, very weird football game, and then they beat New Mexico by ten. And I think what was a uh, honestly, I know what the team names are, I know the helmets. I think that the win over New Mexico was more impressive than the win over San Diego State because of the way that Nevada uh, moved the ball and scored, which is something that has been an issue for them for for the last two years now. Really, everything on the football field has been an issue for them. Uh, they they run a four two five defense and that that kind of traditional for them pistol offense. Uh, Ken Wilson is very much a product of the Chris Alt coaching tree, and so in structure and the way that they want to do things, they look pretty similar to the way that they did under Alt. Um, not necessarily in personnel, not necessarily in success, at least not to this point, but. The, the idea behind hiring him and the idea that he has for running the program is a, a return to that, and that, that's how it looks structurally. Uh, they were 2-10 and 10 last year. They're 2-7, and seven, as I said, this year. Just hasn't gone very well. It, it's, it's been a really rough stretch. They had a lot of attrition when Jay Norvell left, and they have not really been able to build... I think a too deep capable of competing in the Mountain West so far. That that would be, I think, the easiest way to say it is that they have, there are a few standout players here, and there were last year too, but they just don't have really much of anything beyond the standout players. They just have a couple guys, and then a roster and a too deep in general that just isn't up for the task more often than than not. Yeah, I would say unable or unwilling to uh, to build that program. It it does seem um, I'm I'm not super privy to what's going on with that program. I mean, it's one of the one of the twelve teams I probably pay attention to the most, but it's not yeah. Utah State. But it does it does seem like a lot of that narrative around that program is, and, and it's obvious, right? There is a theme of underinvestment in in the football team. You don't yeah. you don't often lose a head coach to a team in the conference that's very very uncommon and of course jay norvell yeah uh it did they, they did just that with jay norvell it's happened to um, him twice too it happened in the 90s with jeff horton as well who jumped to unlv oh, which i'm sure was a pretty significant insult at the time <laughs> that yeah that yeah it's so it's it's I happened to this program uh twice now which is just two times too many you can't have that you can't oh, yeah. have that as a trend for your program that coaches are leaving for jobs in the conference that's not how you that's just not what you want. Yeah, that's a terrible precedent to set. And even with Jay Norvell, he peaked at eight and five. He did that twice, uh, his final year, and then I think he did it uh, earlier on. In I, his I think it was twenty eighteen like season. Yeah, yep, twenty eighteen. And they were they were really good in twenty twenty. Had they played a full schedule, I think they probably would have gone above that. They were seven and two that year. 
Yeah, and, and it's not a it's not a team that, um, you know, the big picture, real quick. It's not a team that shouldn't be able to uh, to compete. If you look at the, you know, Reno compared to the best cities in the country, yeah, okay, you don't, yeah, why would a you know why would a talented young kid go to Reno? But compared to the other teams, other cities in the conference, um, I have nothing against Reno. I have nothing against this, like this this school. Um, they compete they're astonishing in basketball year in year out and have been for, for decades. Um, This is a school that should be able to compete. So I I sympathize with those fans that are very, very disappointed in the lack of investment, but for one reason or another, they are not very good right now. And they have not been good in, in a couple of years. They, uh, they would be, they'd be lucky to get to six wins with this season and the past two combined. Yeah. Yep, and that is really, I mean, <clears throat> they would need to win two of their last three here just to get to six wins in, in two seasons. It, it's been it's been very difficult. It's been very difficult for them, and, and progress has been slow and, and few and far between of, right. uh, of games that feel encouraging. I, I think that the two-game winning streak that I alluded to earlier was kind of the, the first time under Wilson that people, Nevada fans, or really anybody just looking in, saw a a, a thing that they could be building towards, saw an idea of what this could look like, maybe, down the road, Um, which is, uh, you know, like I said earlier, he's an alt guy, he's a Chris alt guy, and the idea is... Basically, they want to run the ball. They want to run the ball a lot out of the pistol. They don't only do pistol. There's a little bit of, of variation in there, but it's it's a base pistol offense. Um, and then they want to throw off of that with play action. And then defensively, they want to have really good players in the secondary and win with that. Um, have have, a, have a, a back seven, a back six, whatever it is, that can make a lot of plays and, and turn the ball over or turn the, turn the offense over and make things harder down the field, force you to run on them, force you to slow the game down. That's the idea. And they were able to do that against San Diego State and New Mexico, uh, both of which are not especially good. But they did it. And Nevada's not especially good either. And so to do that was was progress for them. Um, And then the Hawaii game comes around, and it goes less well. And and I think that has been really the problem for them this season. And the first place I want to go as we talk about the matchups here this this team, <clears throat> specifically this defense, has I think a, a honestly a decent amount of talent, especially in the secondary. I like some of the guys on this defense. There are some standouts here, but I think the reason they were able to slow down those offenses as much as they did to the extent that they did uh, is because those offenses are really bad. And when they have played against better offenses, offenses that have top end talent they just can't keep up they don't have the depth of guys to keep up their pass rush hasn't been very good their pass defense has been kind of left on an island i think that that's the first place to go with this is the utah state passing attack against the nevada pass defense i I think that's going to be the number one matchup here yeah i think so too it's it's going to be the number one matchup it's also you know let's not let's not bury the lead here like that is probably what uh, people are most interested in um, it is official. We talked about it a little bit on the on the show earlier in the week as we uh, took a closer look at that win at San Diego State. Uh, Cooper's the guy, and I think a lot of people um, are rightfully excited. A lot of people are are uh, maybe upset and and at the very least confused. I would probably fall into that category a little bit about how this quarterback situation has unfolded throughout the season. 
Um, but this is the this is the boat we're in now. This is where we're at now. Cooper is the guy, and I think everyone wants to know how he's going to fare against this Nevada pass defense. Um, I would say, <laughs> I, I would say good. I would say he will fare well. Yeah. Um, it is. I mean, we're talking about a a quarterback who has seen elite levels this year at times and you know he's he's struggled as well but this is a this is a defense it's a team that is not um playing at their best right now you know as we as we've talked about as we've mentioned um this should be a this should be a big matchup for utah state and they should be able to to take advantage of this i think yeah i i think the easiest way to say it is that he has done it and utah state has done it against defenses far better than this one um they have had success moving the ball through the air against teams that are a lot better equipped to handle this passing attack than this one is. Um, <clears throat> pass rush, like I said, not really much of a factor. They're 110th in, in sacks, 105th in overall havoc rate. Um, the defensive line, there are a couple guys here who I like. I, I think Marcel Walker Burgess has been pretty good for them at, at defensive end. I don't mind Elijah Winston off the bench. I think he's played pretty well. Uh, Thomas Witte is just kind of there. PFF really likes him, but he's not really much of a pass rusher. He's more just taking up a lot of space, honestly, on the edge. Um, and then Jonathan Maldonado is the last of the defensive ends. Yeah. Those four are the primary pass rushers here. They don't do a ton behind them. They don't do a ton on the inside. There's not they, they blitz a little bit, but mostly they look to those four, and those four just haven't done a ton and there will be you know they have athletes on the inside as well including a, a guy who i think people will, will recognize in james hansen the utah state transfer he's played well for them this year um Deion washington's another guy at tackle who i like uh dwight uh, i want to get his last name right where's he at uh togi togio yeah, Togiola, uh, Dwight Togiola. I'm interested to see if he plays here. He's been out for several weeks, but he is really their only viable interior pass rusher. And if they have him back, it changes the approach a little bit for them. Um, but they, basically what they do is is not terribly dissimilar from what Utah State has been seeing all year. There's a lot of stunts. There's a lot of movement. They try to <coughs> create advantages up front where there aren't naturally talent advantages. Um, they've not had a ton of success yeah. doing that, but it could throw a wrench in things for Utah State because Utah State has been very, very bad at handling movement up front. It just hasn't picked it up well. This line has really struggled with that, and I think the teams are really keying on it right now against Utah State. Oh, they absolutely. saw how much it worked for San Jose State, and now San Diego State did a, did a bunch of it. Nevada's going to do a bunch of it. I can guarantee Boise State's going to do a bunch of it. That that is yep. the approach right now for for attacking this line, is taking advantage of their assignments and and basically daring them to have cohesion in the moment, which they've just not really had. Yeah, that's exactly right. This is a this is a matchup that on paper should be favorable for Utah State. That's a team that uh, doesn't like to blitz, doesn't like to bring extra guys. Um, and that's good for Utah State because we can't even handle, you know, the standard. You know, you're bringing in extra guys and you're going to get to the quarterback pretty quickly. You're going to get home. Um, but that said, this offensive line has just not held up even against, you know, just a little bit of simple trickery, just a little bit of movement up front. And not only do we not hold up against it, I mean, we have – it seems like every play we're getting, you know, offsides, our line moves. We have um, 
we, we've had a lot of issues up front with just, I think, depth and experience. Uh, so that that could be an issue coming into this game. I think people, uh, other coaches, if you if they've been watching, it's uh, that's no secret at this point. I think, like you said, they are keying in on that, and they're it's it's worth a try. That that's something that you can you can really try to exploit in this Utah State offense. Yeah, and I would guess that they I would guess they will. Utah State needs to have a better answer for that this time around than it has yes. in in yeah. weeks past. Um, Behind them, the linebackers aren't going to be super involved in, in the passing game. Uh, Tone Giaki Matei Alona has been decent for them as a coverage guy. He doesn't blitz a ton. Uh, he's one of two starters along with Drew Watts, uh, who's been here forever. <laughs> Drew Watts, it feels like, has been playing at Nevada for a really long time, despite the fact that he's only a redshirt a redshirt sophomore. I don't know how he has pulled that off. I feel like Drew Watts has been there for 20 years. Um, <laughs> there's a similar name or something. Uh, Davion Blackwell is also in the two deep, as is Jackson LaDuke. Uh, Blackwell is kind of the backup coverage guy. LaDuke is sort of the backup to Watts. He'll play a lot. LaDuke is a good player. He's been there for a while as well. Biggest linebacker of the bunch at 240, more of a run stopper. Uh, they blitz him a little bit, but not a ton. Um, the linebackers are, they're interesting here because I think that they are generally pretty good. I just, I don't know exactly what they do. <laughs> I don't know exactly what role it is that they play here. Sometimes they pitch in in coverage. They're, they're pretty good at stopping the run, but it, it feels like there is a, just from watching them play, there's kind of a disconnect between the defensive front and the secondary, where the secondary is working so frequently on an island. They run a ton of man coverage, which we're going to yeah. talk about in just a second. Yeah, um, yeah. Much to the delight, I thought it was very funny, much to the delight of, of Cooper Lega, who uh, was apparently hearing that information for the first time, that they run a lot of man <laughs> coverage, uh, and was very excited about it on the, at, the, at the weekly availability. Uh, which I would agree with on 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 that front yeah. for Utah State. He, he's not the only one. No, he's not the only one. Um, you know, I would guess he's got a very excited receiver room there in the building <laughs> with him. Um, but these linebackers are just kind of there. They 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 rack up some tackles. Uh, they're they're leading. I believe the leading tackler here by a pretty wide margin is a safety, and, and the run defense is, is fine. But the the linebackers, I just it feels like they're kind of wasting that space because I don't know exactly what they're doing. They don't blitz a ton. They're fine in run support. Sometimes they drop into coverage, but a lot of the times you'll see them play, and they're just sort of there. They're just kind of taking up space, but they're not really. I don't know exactly what the intent the intent is with these linebackers. If you're playing so much man coverage on the back, I feel like you could probably get away with blitzing these guys more. I think the problem is just that they don't really have the body types to do that. These are small linebackers for the most part. Leduc is the only one op- up over 230 pounds. The other ones are are pretty pretty slim and and honestly, they're just they're still not great in coverage. And so you just kind of have small linebackers in run support, which is not a great you know, approach and they've done pretty well, but it feels, it feels like they don't know exactly what to do with these guys, basically. Yeah. I think the coaching staff probably has, has had that conversation throughout the season. Um, you just don't know what to do with those guys. They, they don't use them in ways that make a, a whole lot of sense to me. And you know, that is you're two and seven. Yeah. That's clearly things are not, something's not right. And I think that linebacker group is, you know, whether it's being, misused whether the coaches are seeing stuff in practice that we're not um that's that's a little bit of a mystery on this team um 
because you know the secondary on this this Nevada team is really not bad. They they get hung out to dry constantly. I think they're put in really tough positions, uh, but they're they're not bad. Um, no, they're but not that bad. linebacker group, I'm not I'm not sure what to expect, and I'm not sure what they're really capable of. I just don't think we've seen them used uh, yeah. very well. Yeah, and the the secondary, like you said, I I do like the secondary. It's it's a weird yeah. sort of mismatch of old and and young here. Um, they have several like sixth year seniors guys who have been here forever and then several guys who are starting basically for the first time contributing for the first time um i think yeah, I, which I, is a great combo yeah yeah it's not a bad way to do it <laughs> you know yeah. you can help bring along those young guys with the old guys but um I, I think they have first off probably two of the better defensive backs in the in the conference that would be uh cornerback jaden deadman who's been here since 2018 i think and uh, safety Amani Johnson, who's been here since 2019. Um, yep. They're both really good. Johnson has really kind of broken out this year. He's been around forever, but he's finally healthy. He's on the field. He is, like I said, their leading tackler. I think he's got 72 tackles to this point. Those two do a little bit of everything for this defense. They are they're really good. I, I really, really like those two. Um, the rest of the secondary, uh, it's Kane Savage at, at Nickelback. He is... I would say about a league average nickelback. He's fine. He's okay. He's he's not he's not going to do anything that's spectacular. He's also not really going to get himself into too much trouble. He's just he's fine. He's a good player. Um uh and then at, at the other cornerback spot, <clears throat> this is the place where you see some some attrition here. It's KK Meyer, the redshirt freshman is here in this other starting spot. Um this was going to be and for the first month of the season it was Isaiah um, I think it's Essesima, who was uh, he was a contributor for their for, for them for several years. Uh, he left the team in early October, and so it falls to the redshirt freshman. They get some time there as well from uh, Michael Coach Jr., who's been okay but can't tackle, and so they kind of have to bring him off the bench. Um, and then uh, Aiden Ciuli is the other one at, at safety who has played for them a little bit. I think it's a pretty good secondary. It's a secondary where the stats don't really. Are, they're not super complimentary. They've given up a lot of yards. Their advanced stats are not good. They're 132nd in passing play success rate, but they're 67th in explosiveness. And basically what that tells you is they're playing on an island a lot, and they can't yeah. really defend short passes and deep passes. They're much better at taking away those deep balls and those explosive plays. But when you don't have help across the middle, it's just, you have to be perfect in man coverage yeah, to prevent yeah. that that short passing game from from you know from hitting and from opposing teams hitting you know passing plays efficiently and that has been the trade off is that they're just not getting a ton of help and so they are stuck allowing slant after slant after slant after you know screen and and drag routes and just underneath stuff that's always open because they have to do so much to prevent those those deep balls without any any linebacker, really any linebacker help or deep safety help. They play so much man coverage. It's very aggressive, and it just hasn't really paid off for them despite the talent of the secondary. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think the other thing is just the fact that, that that gap between kind of your second and third best guy is is pretty significant. Yeah. Um, Imani Johnson, I really like Imani Johnson. He's very, very good. Um, he he's one of the he's the leading tackler on the team but he's one of the leading tacklers in the conference he's got 72 tackles um but in solo tackles he leads the conference by by quite a margin actually he's got 53 solo tackles the next guy is at 46 yeah uh, which is you know quite the gap he has two picks on the season 
Um, he he's very very good. Uh, I I like him. I like him a lot. Jaden Dedman as well is very good. Um, but again, this is something we've talked about with this Utah State team a lot. Is okay. You got Royals. You got Vaughn. What are you going to do about Micah Davis? Yeah. Like if my if Micah Davis as your third best receiver is very very good. Um, he is better than the third best defensive back on most of the teams we're going to play. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of like and, and you play so much man coverage that okay maybe you can keep up with Jalen Royals. You, you can't, Yeah. but maybe you can, maybe you can, can keep up with Terrell Vaughn. You're leaving Micah Davis wide open. You can't, these, these three dudes are not three guys that you can just defend in, in man coverage. Cause they're going to, they're going to break you. And so yeah. if you're, you, they're, they're going to create mismatches. And then I think there's already an, an inherent mismatch, basically whoever isn't being guarded by Deadman or Johnson there's a built-in mismatch, and then if Deadman or Johnson gets gets busted, which is gonna happen <laughs> at least a few times, you know, it's th- this is why Cooper Lagat was so excited to hear that these guys yeah. were man coverage because yeah. this is uh, this is ripe for you know Micah Davis, Colby Bowman, who's been getting a lot more targets, um, Brock Lane, who was used a lot mm-hmm. um, in this this past game. Um, we're talking, you know, uh, Josh Starzer's back. He's, yeah. he's feeling a little bit better. Like it's, it's ripe for one of those guys to, to have a really, really big game. Yeah. And even just physically, the matchups here are not, I, I don't know that there's, they're really ideal for Nevada because like Deadman, for as good as he is, he's 5'10", 175. Are you putting that guy on Jalen Royals? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah, know. That's yeah. a lot to ask. Jalen Royals isn't huge, but he plays a lot bigger than he is, and he's already fairly big. He's you know six foot one, one ninety five, two hundred ish. He's difficult to deal with physically if you can't match up. Um, and so then you come to the question if you're Nevada of do we put the redshirt freshman on him because KK Myers bigger? He's, <laughs> he's six one one eighty six, or do you put Michael Coates on him who's six zero one eighty nine? Coates might be the best option there, but he can't tackle. And so. If you get hit on those slants, which has been the problem for them, if you get hit yeah. on those slants and you have coats on Royals, I Royals is going to be running for a while because he's not going to get on the yeah. ground. It's he's 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 a matchup problem. He's a matchup problem on his own, and it's made that much worse by the fact that Terrell Vaughn also is on the field and Micah Davis is on the field and Brock Lane's on the field, um, and and Cooper Lega is operating with a lot of confidence and is able to see which of those guys is open because. Yep. One of them is going to be open on pretty much every play. It's a matter of keeping Cooper upright, and I, I think if Utah State can do that, it will have a very, very good night on, or good afternoon, I guess, uh, through the air because it's just, it's we say this a lot on this show. It's a lot to ask uh, of this Nevada secondary, and it has been all yeah. season. It's been very difficult for them because of that, and you see, just just this last week, Hawaii had a lot of success passing the ball. I think Utah State's passing attack is pretty clearly better than Hawaii's. Um, yeah, it's going to yeah, be a good yeah. day for that group. Yeah, well, and I think that's, you know, a lot to ask is, I think that it could be the motto of this Utah State offense when they are doing what they're supposed to. Because, you know, we'll get to the Utah State rush game later in the in the show, but it's worth yeah. just mentioning now. Um, if Utah State is establishing the run in, again, a way that is appropriate at, at the right time and in the right yeah. way, which is something that, I think Blake and I have have a small disagreement on what that means. Um, but if you if you're putting together a running game along with man to man covers in the backfield with with Royals Vaughn and Davis, um, you just you you can't 
you can't. This team, this team is built to be fast and spread the field and have so many different options and so many different weapons that you know a team like Nevada, you pick and choose what you what you give up. Yeah, um, and I think that's going to be very, very much on display, especially in the backfield, just because of how how many weapons we have. Uh, Cooper Lega is playing a lot better than he had had been, um, you know, earlier in the season. Uh, and I think we have receivers that have been a lot better. I think Terrell Vaughn, we're getting about what we expected out of him, but yeah. uh, Jalen Royals is he's playing very, very good football right now. He, he's far improved from what we've seen at the beginning of the year. Um, and that's what this team is built to do is just, it can give you a lot of different looks on offense and you just have to pick and choose. Yeah. Yep. And, and eventually there's only, there are only so many things that your safeties can help out with. There are so many, right. so many things that those guys can step into to, to assist with and then to add bodies to, um, you can't have them both focusing on taking away the, the deep passing game and also have them stopping the run. Yeah. You kind of need to pick one. And yeah. it's going to be, if Utah State can protect it, which has been the question all year, uh, it's going to be one or the other. I, I think that both right. will have a lot of room to work here. Um, moving to the other side of the ball with the Nevada rushing game, uh, as I as I mentioned, this is a run-first offense. It's not an especially good run-first offense, but it is one. Um, they run on more than 50% of their snaps, uh, usually with the quarterback, who is, I would say, currently unknown. Not sure who's going to be the quarterback. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and then one of uh sean dollars or uh i need to figure out how to say this kid's last name uh jacques uh battle uh bird cell who has been the backup running back after they lost ashton hayes i think to injury earlier in the season uh dollars is an organ transfer um neither one has been i would say especially productive this season i don't think it's really their fault this line is not good this is not a good offensive line at all um that's really been sort of the issue here for the last two years is that this offensive line just doesn't have a whole lot of continuity and, and frankly doesn't have a whole lot of mountain west caliber talent um there's some size here it's just not it's not a lot of good players, honestly, on this on this line, and it, it it's it you know bears out in the stats. You see, like the advanced metrics, 115th in rushing success rate, but 65th in explosiveness. Their line yards is terrible. Their stuff rate is terrible. Their highlight yards are better. Their second level yards are better. Things like that, which tells you it paints a pretty clear picture. These running backs are good if you put them in a different offense that had a different line. With this line, it is a matter of getting them into open open space and they've not really been able to do that when these guys break free they are talented enough to make plays getting them free has been a huge huge struggle for Nevada's offense all season and and it has really that's what the offense is contingent on and they've not been able to do it consistently yeah I think uh, this is if you're if you're a big big lineman guy you love lineman matchups and that's that's what you uh, watch college football for this is this is not a football game yeah, for you. Avert your uh, eyes. Utah, yeah, avert <laughs> your eyes. Find a find a Big Ten game or something. Um, this is not it. This this will be um, a somewhat disappointing. You know, this matchup will consist of a somewhat disappointing uh, Utah State defensive line and a very disappointing offensive line from Nevada. Yeah. Um, they they are yeah. It's uh, for the for the frustrations that we've had all year and and they're warranted. Um, Nevada's is worse, and I think it has cost them more 
than than it has for us. There's there's been moments where yeah. we're giving up more sacks than we want to. Um, but our running backs, who are also very, very talented, are still getting they're they're still getting theirs, you know. Um, I do think Booth and Faison and Briggs could all have more yards if we had, you know, a better offensive line. But yeah. Their their offensive line is is actively hurting them in a way that even ours hasn't all year. Yeah, um, and it, and it's very frustrating. Those are those are talented guys that are just not being <laughs> not being protected, not giving. They're not being. They haven't been given holes. They haven't been given uh, a time to to even get to or past the line of scrimmage. It's 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 tough. Yeah, I I have um I have two stats here from the advanced stats profile that I, I think will tell a pretty good. A pretty good story. Paints a pretty clear picture of what has been going wrong for this offense. Uh, first up, standard down success rate, which just means like first and ten, uh, second and I think seven or less things, things like that. Not obvious passing downs. The kind of thing where if you just watch football long enough, you can get a feel for what is and isn't a passing down. Standard downs, normal downs, regular down and distance, not too far, not third and long, not things like that. Um, on those plays, they are they have a 39.9% success rate, which is 132nd of 133 teams. Um, their front seven havoc rate allowed, so tackles for loss, sacks, uh, fumbles forced, uh, interceptions pass deflected, I think is the five. Uh, they are 133rd, which is dead last. That is not going to work. <laughs> on, on early downs, yeah. they have been awful. They cannot, they just, they lose yards. They have too many negative plays. They don't get ahead of the chains. They're they're facing a lot of second and eight, a lot of second and nine, a lot of second and twelve, things like that, uh, where you're you're coming into a, a a drive, you're running on first down, and you're going in the wrong direction. Um, this passing attack is not good enough to cover up for that. The passing attack is not good enough to cover up for much of anything. Um, they just can't. The the big plays have been nice. They've gotten honestly a decent amount of big plays both from the run and passing game. Um, but the down to down stuff has been awful. It's been really, really bad. They just, they suffer way too many negative plays. They have too many stuffed runs. They're 120th in stuff rate allowed. Um, and then when they do find themselves in manageable situations, third and one, fourth and one, things like that, they are dead last in power running success rate, dead last 50% on those plays. So 50% of the time, on third and one or fourth and one where they're just trying to pound it in there, they don't get it. Um, yeah. That's not good. <laughs> it's really, really, really not good. Yeah, it's, it very is, good. Uh, it's the last in the country for a reason. The usual number right. there, let right. me, I'm just going to pull up a, a regular team. I don't want to find anybody that's too good or too bad. Um, let's see here. <laughs> Who would be a, a roughly average team? Um going to go with florida i think florida is roughly a pretty standard team yeah their power success rate is is fine it's 83rd it's 71.4 percent 21 points better percentage wise than yeah. nevada's and this is not like an especially good running attack for florida um it's just it's bad it's really really bad and and so they really kind of get it get it you know start at the start of the drive and at the end of the drive because they just can't really hold up uh, up up front, there are way too many times where they allow penetration before the running back even has the ball, and you are just like at that point, it doesn't matter who's back there. You could put anybody back there; they're not going to be able to do anything with that. Right. I, th- I think this is a this is kind of a a prove it matchup for me. I think this yeah. is a. I mean, Utah State's rush defense has been 
they they've been exploited before this year. I I don't think it's particularly strong. It's susceptible to, um, you know, it's susceptible to giving up yards. Um, but this is this is a great matchup where they can go out and prove that that they're bigger than these guys. That they're that yeah. they're better. They haven't uh, they haven't been able to sustain getting into the backfield or uh, you know tackles for loss, getting sacks in the quarterback uh, really all 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 year long. Um, this is a great game where that can be available, and if they if they do their job, they could they could really cause some problems for this this Nevada team trying to t- trying to run the ball. Um, I think Holly had a really good game last week. It's a great game for him to be able to yeah. uh, kind of build on that momentum. <laughs> he was he was great last game. Uh, we talked about uh, Paul Fitzgerald. We talked about a couple of guys last year or last week on that, or sorry, earlier this week. You know that were that yeah. were good in last week's game, uh, and and there's momentum there I think that they can build off of and, and really have, uh, you know, prove it, Pro- you know, prove it to me, prove, prove yeah. that you're uh you're a legit <laughs> offense or defensive line. Um, but th- that said, there, there has been uh, some susceptibility here. So I, I think if Nevada's going to have success moving the ball, it's going to be on the ground. Um, but I, I think, and I would certainly hope that they have a hard time doing that uh, th- this week. Yeah. Staying on the ground for the Utah state rushing attack. Um, this Nevada defense is not, I, I don't think it's good at defending the run, but it is better at defending the run than it has been at defending the pass. Um, they create a decent amount of havoc up front. They're 75th in, uh, front seven havoc created. Um, and they, basically the big thing here is that they have a lot of size. They have a lot of size up front. James Hansen, 6'2", 307. Deion Washington, 6'3", 288. Um, there is some, there's Elijah Winston, 6'3", 245. The starting ends aren't terribly big. Um, Witty is a little bit bigger than, than Walker Burgess. He's 6'2", 238. Um, but, but there are, they have some space fillers and there has been, they've had a lot more success essentially with just stuffing runs, with just stopping them before they can ever really get going than they have with runs that get past the line of scrimmage. If your running back gets past the line of scrimmage against these guys, he might be running for a while. They have an explosive play <laughs> yeah. problem in a pretty significant way. Um, and it, it, it makes sense because we just talked about a couple minutes ago, this secondary is playing a lot of man coverage. And when you're playing man coverage, you aren't really focusing on stopping the run. And Imani Johnson specifically has done a really good job of picking it up when it, when they are running, when there is a run, and, and, and stepping up and making plays. But if your safety is your leading tackler by nearly 30 full tackles, it says nothing positive about your front. It does not, it does not, it's yeah, not complimentary yeah. of your linebackers that your safety has to do that. Um, and he's a really good player, but he shouldn't have to do that. And the explosive plays have come from, if you get past this line, the linebackers just aren't always there. And uh, there's a lot of room to work against this secondary that's, that's bailing out to play man coverage. Um, this, would be, this would be a good game for, for that explosive rushing attack to show up for Utah State, because I think that the explosives will be, despite the matchup advantages that are inherent to this roster, this, this Utah State offense, um, I think it's going to be easier to get those big gains on the ground than it is through the air just by nature of the way that this matchup is. There's a lot of room to work against this rushing attack if you can get past that that bigger front. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think this is, uh, you know, whenever you talk about explosiveness and uh, getting past, the, you know, opportunities past the line of scrimmage, 
the conversation is going to move to Razul Faison. Yeah. Um, that is that that is what he does. He is very very good in the open field. He's just fast. He's 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 crazy fast. Um, yeah. and he's he's slippery. You know, at five five ten five eleven two hundred pounds, he's uh very very crafty. Very very good at you know that he, he's very good at exploiting what Nevada will give him. Uh, this guy could have, I think, a really, really good night if our if our line can get him past the line of scrimmage. He'll take care of the rest. He's he's yeah. had explosive plays, I think, all year long. Um, not not to say that Devon Booth and Robert Briggs Jr. haven't, um, because they they are yeah. also very fast and very good running backs. Uh, all three of these guys, you know, any number, any one of these three or all three could have a very good night. Yeah, uh, but I do think that you know that play style. Um, particularly suits Roswell Faison. Yeah, and I think this is probably a game where it, the the question for Utah State is just keeping those guys fresh and, and making sure that they are as fast as they can be whenever they're on the field because yeah. there will be those opportunities. There's not a reason to have one guy taking the, the bulk of the carries here unless he is just unstoppable, right? Like if they come right. out and, <clears throat> you know, Roswell Faison has 100 yards in the first half. Like, yeah, don't take him out of the game. Let him, let him carry yeah, the load. Let, let him go. But, but if it's just, you know, you're, you're, you're firing off a couple big plays, you're, you're five or six yards a clip, just rotate those guys. Keep them, keep them upright, keep them clean, um, and, uh, and, and keep those, those legs fresh so that you can do uh, it yeah, for absolutely. all four quarters um, rather than just leaning on one guy, which I think they've done a pretty good job of recently. I, I like the yeah. split against San Diego state. I think they probably will do that. Um, if there's a hot hand, obviously that, that changes the equation, but, uh, I would guess that'll be the approach for Utah state. I would agree. And I would also, you know, just add to that, not only these four quarters, but the next four quarters are big ones as well. Yeah. Um, I know that's not necessarily what they have in mind when you're, you know, it, they they take these games one at a time. Boy, do um, they! <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, do but, they! Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't have to. I podcast. I don't play football, so yeah. I can look ahead and see Boise State. Um, that's a game we're going to talk a lot about later. Obviously, as we prepare for that, um, I don't care how bad Boise is; they are tough, and they expect to win in Logan. Uh, you want to be very healthy for that game. You want to be healthy not only for that game, but going down the stretch, you're you're looking at ball eligibility. So. Um, keeping these guys fresh, keeping them moving, keeping them ready for next week. You know, the, these four quarters and the four after uh, is huge. And I think it's just, it's a great opportunity if, if things are there, um, if we're able to to get that offense going the way we want it to. Uh, it's it's a great opportunity to, to spread the wealth a little bit, get everybody involved, but also make sure we're not relying too heavily on, on one guy, save their legs for, you know, the rest of the rest of the season. Yep. Yep. Last, uh, last matchup here would be the Nevada passing game against the Utah state pass defense. Um, <clears throat> as I alluded to earlier, not entirely clear who the quarterback is going to be this week. The incumbent starter is Brendan Lewis, Colorado transfer. Uh, he was benched last week. He was benched pretty early on. They had been, experimenting with this and I guess they had just seen enough he's not been good this year he's he's a he's a pretty bad passer I I would say um six interceptions to two touchdowns I think it's like 5.5 yards an attempt it's it's not been good in terms of in terms of yards uh in the conference he is sandwiched right in between Taylor Green and Maddox Madsen wow um which which is not only (laughs) The Bronco that, sandwich. Fun, yeah. Yeah, that's a fun little Bronco sandwich. It also tells you a lot about what that guy's been doing. Yeah. Um Taylor Green and Maddox Madsen have been playing splitting, you know, splitting time. Um a good quarterback should be should be well above those guys. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so the and and 
again, for reference, in a 12-team league, they are 11, 10, 11, 12. Mm. So not, uh, no. not great. Not great. Certainly. No. Um, they, they have been experimenting a little bit with reps for the guy who went in, which would be redshirt freshman A.J. Bianco. Um, he, I would, okay, I would guess he gets the start this week. I think that probably the A.J. Bianco era has begun at Nevada because Brendan Lewis is older, and uh, frankly, out, outside of his ability as a runner, which is good, he doesn't give you anything. He's not a good passer. He's just, he's not. It's not the de- It's not a deal where it's like, oh, well, you know, his, his arm is pretty bad, but at least he's safe. Like, no, he, he's got three times more interceptions this year than he has touchdowns. He's just not a very good quarterback. Um, Bianco has not been a whole lot better. I don't know that anybody would be especially good within this offense with this line and and with a a pretty lacking (laughs) cast of of receivers. But Bianco's 6'4". He's a redshirt freshman. He has a slightly better arm. He's a capable runner as well. Um, I think that they probably go with him, and they live with the risks that come with having a young starter out there, having a guy who hasn't played a ton of football because they're just not getting much of anything from the older option. They're not getting a whole right. lot to, to justify him being on the field. You might as well go with the younger guy if they're both going to struggle. I think it's probably going to be Bianco. He has a higher ceiling. He can throw the ball a little bit further down the field. I would guess it's going to be I would guess it's going to be him. I don't think either one is going to present a huge challenge to Utah State. This passing attack is among the worst in college football, but I, yeah. I think Bianco probably gets the nod here I, I don't think that they bench lewis if they're not ready to do that full time yeah i'd agree the young kid from lahaina hawaii i think it's time to to probably move on to to aj bianco um this is not super far off from the conversations we were having earlier in the season uh where we were debating between good and better high ceiling versus we know what we get um it's just a it's just a step down from that it's it's yeah, a instead pretty of good and better yeah. it's it's okay and okayer <laughs> Um, and then, you know, that is such is life when you play Nevada football. Yeah. Um, but it, you know what, you're not bowl eligible. There's not, you're, you're not going to be bowl eligible. You're no longer playing for bowl eligibility. Um, at that point in the season for the Wolfpack, I don't see a reason not to move on from your, from your guy, yeah. uh, give the freshman a chance and, and see what he, see what he does, you know, see what, see what can happen. I would, I would agree, you know, bowl eligibility on the table. You never know. I mean, it's, again, it's not like you're dealing with a, a superstar incumbent, but I, I would agree that it is certainly time to, to move on. We'll see if they do that. Um, but I, I would be, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go with Brennan Lewis if I was uh, Nevada. No. I, and I, I don't, I don't think they're going to. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised. As I mentioned, this receiving core is, um, it's desolate. There's not a whole lot here. Uh, slot receiver Jamal Bell leads the team in receptions with 29 for 252 yards and one score. Um, behind him, it's kind of a rotating cast. Uh, John Jackson the third has 24 receptions for 195 yards. Not very good. Uh, big play threat uh, to Le'Veon Campbell, who I do like a decent amount. They don't have a ton of quarterback play that has been beneficial for him because he's more of a I mean he's a deep threat he's a guy who's going to go down the field he's 6'4 very fast 19 receptions 416 yards and one touchdown I think he is maybe the one receiver on this team who would start for any other team in this conference uh if I'm if I'm being totally honest and maybe Bianco is the guy who can help unlock that a little bit because they just haven't been able to get the ball down the field very often 
Um, and then also here, Spencer Curtis, who did not play last week. If he doesn't play this week, I think it would probably be Isaiah Crocker. Um, and then at, at tight end, they have been without uh, Kaliki Latu for most of the season. He was a, a, a pretty good player for them. He was he was up there for receptions with just like five games under his belt. Uh, the guys behind him, Jaden O'Rourke and uh, Cameron Ziedler, they're just blockers. They're not really going to be involved in, in the passing game. There's not a ton here. <laughs> if, if Curtis is no, out especially, there's no, just there's... not a ton here. Yeah, this is this is not a team. They, so yeah, let, let's go back to a stat you kind of brushed over. Um, Brennan Lewis has two touchdowns on the season. So yeah. does Bianco. Uh, for the math wizards out there, that's four. Yeah, that's four. Um, that's four touchdowns. Nine games that they have on the season. <laughs> Nine games um, each. Uh, they have four four touchdowns each to a different receiver. Yeah. Um, we have on our team three receivers with more than four touchdowns on the season. We oh. have. Uh, significantly more than that. Uh, yeah. Dylan Morris has eleven. Yeah. Terrell Vaughn has nine. Micah Davis has five. Micah Davis, <laughs> like, is is very quiet. He has yeah. five. Utah State yeah, yeah, has two. Those three so, is that what is that? That's twenty five combined touchdowns from those three. <laughs> yeah. Nevada yeah. has four passing touchdowns on the year. Um, I will give it to them. They have more touchdowns than Colby Bowman. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Nevada Wolfpack has more touchdowns than Colby Bowman. There you go. And uh, Brock Lane has zero. So there you go. Yeah. Colby Bowman and Brock Lane combined. So way to go, Nevada. Yeah, four mm-hmm. touchdowns on the season is not where you want to be at this point in the season. Um, the, yeah, the passing attack, it's just not there. And it's no. it's certainly not there against uh, a guy named Ike Larson, who we, you know, I we got to talk about him every show. So I'll just give him a shout out there. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to pass against <laughs> this this defense. It, it's no. a very good passing defense on, on Utah State side. And these guys just haven't haven't figured out a, a passing attack that works. No, if if the passing attack gets going here, like we said last week, something has gone wrong. And and granted, yeah. San Diego State was able to move the ball a little bit through the air. I will say, and this is very funny to say about San Diego State under any circumstances, that passing attack is better than this one. I know what the final score said when they played. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that San Diego State has at least a moderately better passing attack than Nevada does. Um this is just it's not a it's not a good unit that they've got here it's just they yeah. just don't have it they don't have it going on um <clears throat> if the running attack gets going then maybe they can do a little bit more and maybe bianco can change some things for them but right. it's going to be it's going to be an uphill climb on on that battle and i think that i could say that writ large about this game for nevada it's going to be an uphill agree. climb yeah. they could do it but i think utah state's probably the likely outcome is that utah state wins pretty comfortably I would agree with that. Uh, just one other note I, I want to add on this this specific game. Yeah. Um, Jamal Bell, I want to give a shout-out to him on on special teams, actually. He has 287 yards hmm. um, on, on kickoff returns. That's that's actually not bad. That's, yeah, that's, that's a good. decent amount of yards. Um, and I it hasn't amounted to anything yet. I don't think we've given up a, a return uh, touchdown. But there's been a couple that uh, that had me worried. This is a, this is a special, team, special teams unit on Utah State side that – has given up some big plays on kickoffs and there's, yeah. there's been plays where it's like, Ooh, that was a tackle away from a touchdown, you know? So this is, that could be something to watch for, watch for yeah. Jamal Bell on special teams. But, that's, that's a good um, shout. Yeah. There, uh, I don't know that it amounts to anything, but watch for that. Yeah. The advanced uh, metrics profile bears it out as well. Nevada, one of the few stats here that isn't in the hundreds for their offense, uh, average field position starting place is 15th nationally. Um, that's great. Actually. That's, that's uh, very, very yeah, good. That's basically a special teams and, 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 
you know, stat. It, it yeah. measures how efficient your your return units are. Defensively, they're 40th, and so their their special teams have been pretty good. Um, yeah, good for them. <laughs> Credit to yeah, the special teams here. They're they're grinding. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We, you know, uh, Ryan Mark still uh, still somewhat new punter. Who knows? Yeah. This that could be a. That could be a factor. We'll Boy, see. That would be a really bad way to lose this game if you were that Utah would State. Be, that would whoa. not be good. Oh, oh yeah. boy, that would not be good. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's probably a win for Utah State. I think it's probably a fairly yeah. comfortable win. Uh, things can go wrong, and they have gone wrong for Utah State before, but I think that this is a, relative to the rest of the season, a, a fairly clean win for Utah State would be my my prediction. Yep, I would agree. It's hard to predict a clean win uh, with this this Utah yeah. State team. It's uh, like we said earlier in the week they they win they win uh, they win ugly and they lose pretty. But yeah. I really hope they can get get out of this one clean, and uh, I, I think they they can do that. Yep. All right, let's talk basketball here real quick. Yep. Um, <clears throat> men's team is back in action on Saturday at 6 p.m. at Bradley. Uh, women's team plays tonight. As you're listening to this on Friday. Uh, playing against Eastern Washington, uh, second meeting between the two in the last two years. Um, where do you want to go first here? Um, let's go. Let's uh, let's go women's because they play first. Okay. All right. What's going on here? Tell me about it. Um, well, Utah State's looking to looking to bounce back yeah. against uh, against uh, sorry Eastern Washington. This is uh, it's a program that has, you know, you know, you know, we talked about on the show last week, they, they showed a lot of, of good things, uh, particularly their, uh, they were very good in the post. They got a lot of points in the paint. They were out rebounding. Um, this is probably a better team in Eastern Washington, uh, and you're, but you're playing at home. So yeah. it's, uh, it can go either way. I really, uh, really hope that they can figure out a few things. Um, notably the, the Aggie shot 0 for 14 from behind the arc. Um, yeah. That's something that's probably not going to continue. At least it better not continue. If it does, there's going to have you know you're going to have problems all year. Um, if you can break up some of that, uh, you got to shoot. They were just over fifty percent from the free throw line. Um, I think fourteen of twenty five. Get that behind you. Shoot it at even just average, um, and you suddenly have a very competitive game. The other thing that went very very wrong last week was that second quarter. Uh, if Utah State plays a complete game start to finish. Um, and just kind of avoid some of those really atrocious notes from last week. I, I think they have a shot. This is a this is a pretty talented team from from what I can tell. Um, I like I like that I like this matchup, but they they have a lot they need to improve on. Yeah, this is a, an experienced Eastern Washington team. If you watched the game last year, you've basically seen this team play already. They returned pretty much everybody um, from that that squad. Uh, Aaliyah Alexander stands out to me at shooting guard. She's very good. Um, Jacinta Buckley has been there. Millie Knowles has been there. It's a good team. It's 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 a good program. It's going to be a big test for Utah State at home in its uh, its home opener this uh, this Friday night. Um, men's side, uh, it's uh, it's the it's the first real test of the year here for the men's team. They have passed their their Division two tests. I think they might have <laughs> one more still. But they have yeah. passed the Division two tests to open the year with the exhibition win and then the uh, season opening win over South Dakota Mines. Um, they hit the road now for a really tough a tough trip to Bradley. That's a hard place to play. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, another um, kind of a kindred spirit program where you know yeah. uh, 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 not a not a blue blood, not a traditionally you know. People nationally don't understand the the level of environment that you get in these arenas. Uh, Bradley has the same not not the not the exact same, but a very intense home court 
advantage in an environment like that. It's going to be a difficult place to play for Utah State. It's a difficult place to play for everybody. Um, right. And this is yeah. a this is a good Bradley program. Uh, I, I I think that this is it's a really good first test because it's not insurmountable, right? It's not a trip to Arizona. You're not you're not going and playing, you know, a Final Four team or something like that. You're not playing UCLA. You're not uh, you're not taking that kind of plunge. It's a winnable game. It's just a tough game. This is a team that's very experienced. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the guys who are here were here for for Bradley last season when Utah State won at home. Uh, Darius Hanna has been here. Malivi Leons has been here. Duke Dean, the, the the little point guard who's very hard to keep track of, five eight one seventy. He's just a very fun player to watch. Um, chaotic, <laughs> very chaotic. Uh, Connor Hickman, like the, these guys have been around. They're athletic. They are, you know, well coached. I think that they 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 have a system that they like to adhere to. They can switch uh, across really the entire lineup. Um, I think it's a good test. It's a it's a good test of Utah State's athleticism. It's a winnable game, like I said, but it is a it's a pretty sharp increase in in competition. I don't know exactly what to expect here. I, I think Utah State absolutely yeah. can get it done. I think that Utah State's probably more talented than Bradley, but you got to do it on the road. You have to do it with a brand new team, and you have to do it without the same level of athletic advantage that you've had in these first two matchups, um, the exhibition and the and the the season opener. I think Utah State does still have an athletic advantage, but it's not quite. It's not. It's not the same as playing a team from a lower level of the sport. This is a. This is a Bradley team that can compete and and should be, I think, really good in the Missouri Valley Conference this year, which is a good league. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, you know basketball college hoops junkies like like ourselves will uh, put a lot of respect on the Missouri Valley Conference. Yeah. Um, both teams one and zero. I think in Ken Palm they are uh, both in the in the nineties. Oh, it's right here. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ken Palm ninety three for Bradley, ninety eight for Utah State. So slight edge for for Bradley on the road. Um, you know, Utah State fans are very familiar with you know Cache Valley. They they love basketball in Cache Valley, but. Uh, they also love basketball in Illinois, Indiana, that that northern Midwest area, and yeah. Bradley, of course, in Peoria, Illinois. They love basketball there, so it's a it's a great environment. Um, it it should be a really fun game, like you said. I I don't know what to expect. I just haven't seen enough from this Utah State team, a brand new uh, Utah State team. Um, they're they're crazy talented. They've got some dudes on there, uh, and it's it's going to be a great test. I think you'll learn a lot about this team either way. Yep, yep, for sure. Uh, should be a fun weekend of, uh, of of stuff in both in Logan and just around Utah State athletics with teams, uh, a lot of teams at home, but several also uh, back on the road. Uh, Mountain West preview here real quick. We will roll through this in football. Um, Wyoming at UNLV is first up. Wyoming looking to... I don't even know that the right phrase would be get back into the race in the Mountain West. I, I, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that, but certainly looking yeah. to play spoiler on the road for a, a currently you know a UNLV team that only has the one loss in conference play and is still very much in the running with a matchup against Air Force still left on the schedule. Uh, Wyoming could throw a pretty serious wrench into uh, into that process here for the Rebels. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, if, if Air Force and Fresno are your one and two, these have to be your your second and third best teams. This is kind of that yeah uh, that that consolation game in a in a double elimination bracket. Um, this is uh, two very very good teams in the Mountain West. I don't know, as you mentioned, I don't know if either of these teams can can make it all the way to that championship game. But certainly two teams that have been competing for that all year. 
Uh, this will be a good one. I think this is probably the one of the bigger games of the week in the in the Mountain West. Yep, and um, I I don't have a great feel for where it's gonna where it's gonna go. I think it's probably going to yeah. come down to the same thing that we talk about with Utah State a lot, which is can you get the game out on the perimeter? If you can, I think UNLV can win. If you can't, if you're struggling with that Wyoming front on either side of the ball, it's going to be a long night, and that is just the Wyoming model that's what they do yeah um yep. <clears throat> fresno state at san jose state next up really fun game really interesting matchup i'm very very interested to see what san jose state looks like in this game i think that they have v- very much improved over the last couple weeks they got a bye week finally at long last they get their bye week uh and they all uh, they they also currently sitting with only two losses in conference play have a chance to shake things up here pretty significantly the win here, they would knock Fresno State down a peg, and they would step right up into one of those contending spots. They would just need one Boise State loss in the last three games to control their own destiny. Um, I don't know that they're going to do that. Fresno State, you know, beating Fresno State is a lot easier to say than it is to do. But right. I, I do think that San Jose State has looked really good these last couple of weeks and, and should be up for a, a really good game here. Yeah, this being a... Uh... A title hope game for San Jose State is not what I had on my bingo card coming into this no. season. Um, San Jose State has improved drastically over over the course of the past few weeks. Um, it is absolutely it, it sucks. It's a gut punch that Utah State was kind of the catalyst of that. I think they yeah. they have looked really really good um, ever since they uh, they they took it to us up in up in the or up in San Jose. Um, this could be uh this could be an interesting game. I think it goes Fresno State pretty cleanly. Yeah. But again, I've I was <laughs> I I overlooked San Jose State at once this season. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. Uh, this game could be very close. I I don't know how, but it could be. Yep, I think it could be. Uh, Air Force at Hawaii is next. This is where it drops off. <laughs> this is where the games become a little <laughs> yeah, bit less yeah. interesting. Uh, Hawaii or Air Force rather looking to bounce back against a uh, a more abundant Hawaii team. Oh, a Hawaii team that did just get a win over Nevada, but isn't very good. I would guess Air Force is going to have a uh, a fairly easy Saturday, all things considered. I, I don't imagine that this is going to be terribly competitive. Yeah, Air Force was coming off a really, really bad loss last week against the Army. Um, that felt more like a fluke than anything. You mentioned it at the time. It was just uh, six turnovers or five turnovers six or turnovers. something like yeah. that. Um, that's what that's what's going to happen in those Armed Forces games. You can't you can't have a lot of turnovers. You're going to lose by a lot. Um, Hawaii is a different team. It's a it's a it's a different type of beast, and it's a much more timid one that air force should be able to take care of yeah going out to hawaii is is always tough but i think it's tougher going the other way um you know going from zero elevation to to three thousand plus is is tougher than you know going down um and enjoying the nice weather in in hawaii it should be it should be falcons all the way on that one it shouldn't be shouldn't be tough last two here new mexico at boise state and san diego state at colorado state I think I'm good on these games. I think I'm okay. I think I'll probably pass on, on these two. Uh, Boise State looking to set itself up for uh, a situation where I think it would be 5-5, five and five, needing one win in its last two weeks to get to bowl eligibility. New Mexico just vibing, hanging out, not really doing anything, kind of <laughs> burning some burning some time, yeah, running out the clock. Um, and <laughs> yeah, then San Diego yep. State and Colorado State, I think that this is a playing for pride game. And I don't know that there's a whole lot else really going on for these two teams right now at this point in the season. Yeah. Yeah, no, New Mexico at Boise State. That might be the uh, the resume bowl of the week. There's uh, yeah, 
there, there's two head coaches that might need to do some networking this uh, this offseason. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. San Diego State at Colorado State. I, I don't even know. Those two teams have been a little bit weird all year. They're not good, certainly. Um, they're they're playing for uh, they're not playing for bowl eligibility. They're not playing for championships. They're playing for pride. Like yep. you said, I think they're just they're playing not to lose there at the bottom. Um, we'll see how that goes. Yep. Uh, Boise State's interesting. Just you know, again as a, as a note because it a is Boise State and b uh, our our next opponent. That one is a little bit interesting to see how they fare against a uh, a very not good New Mexico team, but um you know not not particularly interesting uh, by any means no no unless you want to do some advanced scouting i guess um yeah all right yeah. that will uh, i think that'll do it for us on this uh, on this episode we will uh, we'll talk to you all on the recap and hopefully i will be able to talk a little bit better on that show <laughs> but until then uh thank you for uh thank you for listening